Yeah. Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Guests appear on the Baby. Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the so Service now. Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. We took a trip, now we on your block, and it's like a ghost town. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN, and joining me now after that debacle last night, 74-71 to 7-13 Rice. And uh, the Tigers lose four and four in conference, fifteen and six overall. Um, according to Bart Torvik, it looks like they have about a seven percent chance to make the tournament. Everything is flipped on its head in two weeks. We've gone from a situation where the Tigers were tenth overall in the AP poll to where they are seventh in the American Athletic Conference, and I think it's at least a. a, a Seemingly good time. It's always a good time to bring on Parth Upadhyay, the uh, Memphis basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. He is on X at P Upadhyay underscore Parth. What what in the world? How, what, let me just ask you this off top. <laughs> what was the scene like last night? Like what? How how were the fans reacting? What did you see from the players on the floor, sidelines? Like how was Penny reacting? Like what was the scene last night? Yeah. All, all the things you mentioned, whether it be the, the fan reaction, the body language of the players, Penny on the sideline, it had all been bad, right, for the past two, three games. But of course. I can never, I can't recall it being that bad. Like, to where the fans' frustration was audible. People are shouting out, come on, coach, like, where's the defense? What are we doing? Rebound. You know, like, they're shouting right. out at the players, at Penny. Um, and it's not just one or two. It's multiple people, right? There's that. You've got players um, and I didn't see it, but somebody had mentioned it to me, like players not uh, dapping each other up, leaving each other hanging in the huddles, um, you know, looking at one another, like what the hell's going on? Penny uh, with his kind of face in his hands at times. There's yeah. just nothing positive, like body language wise from anybody that was a part of that game and nothing positive <laughs> in the stands, from right? people in the stands either. So. I, it's just it was a mess, man. It was an absolute mess, and I, I think it started at the opening tip because of the starting lineup that was run out there by Penny Hardaway. And I, I, I made a joke about this off the top of the show, but I said, "With the fate of the world on the line, and you better win, or the Martians have the death beam pointed on, <laughs> uh, pointed at Earth." You decide to run out Jaquan Walton, David Jones, Jonathan Pierre, Naquan Tomlin, and Malcolm Dandridge. A big lineup, no question about it. Uh, I think you lack perimeter defense, which has been a big struggle of yours. The entire year since Caleb Mills has been out, and you don't have a point guard. And I, I when you when you tweeted this out yesterday, yep. I went I went ahead on uh, on X and quote tweeted it and quote posted whatever the hell you want to call it on X now because it's not Twitter it's anymore. Now, yeah. <laughs> but I said I I am looking forward to JQ Javon Quinterly checking in in three minutes because of the slow start. You don't have a ball handler. Yep, and he checks in in three oh five. And then what followed <laughs> from there is. Nine players played in the first eight minutes, 10 players in the first 10 minutes, Jeez. 11 players in 12 minutes. I, I mean, as much as you want to blame the players, which I think we'll get to here in a second, we'll uh-huh. talk about the players on the floor and how they're playing when they're actually out there. There's no continuity in that first half when they dug that 11-point hole going down 33-22 to 22 at half to a terrible Rice team. 
I thought it had to do with a lack of meshing and understanding of who was on the floor. It was erratic. It was confusing. It yep. was. Yep. I mean, if if I'm a, another coach watching that, like I, I, Penny Hardaway, the way he was substituting, it's like I, uh, no, no, no. Duh, we're we're able to have success and we're winning this game by the the amount we're winning at halftime. Nobody on that floor. There was no continuity within those lineups. No, there wasn't. And you know, Penny likes to sub, um, kind of like that anyway, but. That was a different level. That was erratic, man. It was like every single stoppage seemingly at least one or two players would get, you know, uh, shuffled in or out. Right. You know, guys would be out there for all of, all of two minutes, three minutes. Um, Penny wouldn't see what he wanted to see, and then they'd be out of the game. So it was it was no no uh, extended run for anybody, no trust, nothing. Just kind of you're, you're, a carousel, right? Don't you <laughs> just sort of question, too, like just looking at that starting lineup, which just – was nonsensical to to be completely honest with you. Like he said, Walt he wants to play dogs, yeah. Yeah. and he oh wants gosh. you know guys that really care. But you have no ball handling and no creation for others, no. which is a big issue. Um, so like I I just didn't understand the starting lineup. Um, but then you just keep going down the list, and, you, and you're looking at who he's playing with who, and you're just. It felt like he lost it. It felt like he just lost his cool and said, "I'm just going to try whatever the hell I want to try when I want to try it." That does not lead to winning. Controller, right? Like in in, in yeah. the end of the day, the American Athletic Conference is not the best conference in the in the country. No one's going to fool it for that. No. But even the teams at the bottom of the American Athletic Conference can beat you when you have no continuity and nobody is nobody knows what their role is. Nobody knows what's expected of them when they're entering the game. You know, in three minute spurts. I mean, it's just it. It felt like he lost it last night in that first half. Yeah. Just lost his cool. I mean, you're, you're playing combinations out there that. And I, I'd have to look at this um, to, to make sure it's correct. But you're playing combinations out there that haven't played together at all this season. And we're, you know, it was January 31st last night. So we're, you know, we got <laughs> yeah. 10 regular season games left uh, in the year. And, you know, like we talked about, there, there are guys that have never stepped on the floor together for extended amounts of time who are now on the floor together. There's no point guard to start the game. Um, no semblance of, of cohesion or continuity. Nothing, man. It was just, a, you know, disorganized mess. People always say, and I brought this up off the top of the show, people say, you know, I want organized chaos. Like, you hear coaches say that, yeah. you know, talking about defense. Um, junking you know, up the game. Yeah, junking yeah, up the yeah, game, yeah. but we still want to be in our spots. And we uh-huh. have to be where we need to be when we need to be there. Organized chaos. That was disorganized chaos. Absolutely. <laughs> like, organized Absolutely. chaos meet disorganized chaos. There's just no rhyme or reason to what happened in that first half. Just none at all. Now, when he got into the second half, I felt like there was a rhyme or reason because he realized, oh, damn, we're down by 11. I have to play my best guys. Yep. But he counters with the starting lineup he's been going with minus Malcolm plus Naquan Tomlin, and they start to play better. And it's just like, <laughs> man. I don't know. I, I, did I get you, wanting to send the message. I, I, I get that I, I get that, but there, there comes a point where you're sending a message and you're basically – spiting your team by having them go down by 11 and try to come back in a, in a game against Rice. Yeah, that, you put your guy behind the eight ball. Yep. Exactly. Yep, yep, that, yep. That's the frustration about the entire thing. Is there, there does come a point where in that first half when you see it's not working, you're trying to send your message, it's still not working, play the best guys, see if they can come back in the game, at least cut the game to you know five going into half instead of 11. Because then the entire second half you're just playing catch-up. Now, uh, I don't want to get you in any more trouble talking about Penny Hardaway, so let's move <laughs> on to the players. Um, players have their, their, their issues as well. There's a clear, I mean, they don't necessarily like each other. It doesn't seem like they don't, 
necessarily work together very well. We see that sort of game to game. And I just don't know if they're familiar enough with each other. Like, I, what, do you, what do you see? What do you see between the guys that get the most minutes um, and sort of their lack of production? Like, what, what has been going wrong? As opposed to the non-con where they played relatively well. Yeah, I think it's everything you just said, right? Like, this team had eight transfers originally. Um, you know, there's been a lot of movement, right? Like, Jordan Brown leaves. Okay, now you got that to deal with. Then Naquan Tomlin is added. Now Jordan Brown's coming back. Meanwhile, you still got the Mikey Williams situation playing out in the background, <laughs> right. who was never a part of the team to begin with. J.J. Taylor is now gone. Um, then you start hearing of chemistry issues. Like, you know, how many distractions can a team have, right? And you can say they're not distractions, but th- these are things that Penny and the players have had to answer for from us, from the media, um, for the duration of the season. Those are not basketball questions. Those are personal questions they've had to deal with. Um, I just don't think it's, it's allowed them to, um, I guess, build that chemistry, build that cohesion, especially when you've got – like we said, eight, nine guys that had never played basketball together um, until November, right? Right. So I think that that's an issue. Um, you know, it, it, you can't it's, – it's, it's hard to put it on one player, and I'm, I'm not doing so. Right. It could be anybody. But the fact that, you know, Tomlin was added in in December, um, you can see at times when he's out there that, you know, guys just don't know where he's supposed to be. He doesn't know where guys are supposed to be. Um, which, which is not surprising, though, right? That's, I mean, he he joined the team eleven games into the season. Yeah, I mean, this is college basketball, man. Like that, you just don't see that. Yeah, <laughs> it's very odd. Yeah, I, and I, I saw this last four games, which of course have been all losses. If you've been following along, um, Javon Quinterly twenty two point seven percent from three. David Jones nineteen turnovers. Nine in one game, by the way. Nine yeah, in one game. UAB nine. Nick yep. Jordan, who was the most efficient player in college basketball before this stretch. I saw that. I remember yep, plenty yep. of things being published and discussed about, about him being the most efficient player in college basketball. He's averaging three points, four rebounds, and Jaquan Walton shooting 26.7% behind the arc. That's nuts, man. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just it's a all, fall off from all parties. <laughs> from everybody. Every, and I think that, again, it does. we already talked about Penny and the coaching staff. It does include the coaching staff. But these players, as much as you know, you wanted to praise them and say, "Oh well, you know, this team has the most talent we've seen in the Penny Hardaway era." And you mix it with experience, you feel yep. good about where you're headed. It does—they're not playing like an experienced team. They're not playing like a guy or like a team who has a bunch of third and fourth year guys. That's no. not what it looks like. They're playing like a team who's checked out. Quite frankly, that's yes. what it looked like last night. It looked like you know, as soon as the the game got a little dicey midway through the first half, like guys just kind of went through the motions um, yeah. the rest of the way, and obviously it proved to be costly. Yep. Um, so, what was I know? Javon Quinterly was at the presser last yep, night. He was. Well, I mean, it was interesting to hear some of his his talk. He was basically saying we don't have a bunch of chemistry issues. It's just when we get on the floor, we seem to have chemistry <laughs> issues. He said it's not on Penny; it's on us. Like, uh, w- take me through what he said and how you sort of felt about it watching him up there. Yeah. So obviously. You know, it's it's no secret that Penny has, you know, for the past or throughout this losing streak, ever since they blew that twenty point lead and lost to South Florida, he's kind of um, aired out this dirty laundry with the team, talking about locker room prom- problems, chemistry issues, not being able to play certain guys together. It's been that bad, according to Penny Hardaway. So, you know, I asked Javon Quinterly about it because we hadn't gotten a chance to speak to him about it, and he's the leader, the point guard of this team. Um, and it, it was weird after Penny had said all that for for the past two weeks, after these losses have piled up and. And Penny's continued to express that that's an issue, chemistry and, and cohesion right. off the court. You know, Javon Quinterly says, hey, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have any issues. He said, I'm, I'll read the quotes here. It said, we're just not together on the court. 
all the way up until the court, until we get on that floor, we're together. It's like once we get out there, it's kind of a lot going on. I feel like guys don't respond well to constructive criticism. I think that's one of the biggest issues, just not being able to talk to your teammates while you're under duress and not getting a reaction out of them. So <sighs> I don't. He kind of spoke out of both sides of his mouth, right? Isn't that what it yeah. seems like? I mean, Gabe, you played college sports. You tell yeah. me, like, if you if you can't play together on the court, do you really have cohesion? If you can't talk well, to your teammates, if you, if you can't take constructive criticism, are you really having that great of a exactly. relationship at practice and exactly. everything leading up to the game? If guys aren't taking the constructive criticism that they need, are they really meshing how they should? No, no. I, I it, it, it's just so strange to hear how the players talk versus Penny and. And it, don't forget Malcolm. Like, we spoke Malcolm, to Malcolm right. on the phone after the UAB game. and um, He sort of reiterated sort of, uh, like, th- that was Penny. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, he didn't name any names, but he did not bite his tongue, man. He was right. like, hey, we got guys who. We don't have dogs. We don't have dogs is what he said. And he he did mention kind of, he didn't say it directly once again, but he did kind of allude to the locker room problems. He said that, hey, guys are, are playing for individual goals versus playing for each other. So that's Malcolm and Penny. Now you got Javon Quinterly essentially trying to say something Completely different. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but it's not good. I mean, I, I, I have sort of been trying to think through this, too. When we talk about a fall from grace for a for a college basketball team, I can't think of one that sort of matches up next to this, at least in recent memory. Maybe there's something historically that we could go look up and figure out. But for a team to beat as many Power 5, Power 6 teams as they did in the out-of-conference, and to fall to just miserable teams once they get in conference. I mean, what was Rice, as far as the net was concerned, somewhere in the 230s, from what they I understand? Were trying to find it. Like something. <laughs> and really, you, 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 you go into that sure. game last night at home thinking, okay, get right game potentially. Let's build some confidence. Whether you win by one, whether you win by three, you get on the winning side of things, they still lose. 248. And, and, they, 248 and let's be honest, they have shown, and I thought they showed this at the South Florida game. against you can lose to anybody. You can lose to anybody. You had a 20-point lead against South Florida, you blew that. You can lose to anybody on your schedule the rest of the way. And, and now it's kind of proven, right? Like Rice was one of the second-worst team by record in the AAC, and you just lost them on your home floor. So now, really, you can lose to anybody. And they've got <laughs> 10 games left, and, you know, let's four of those, right? So four of those are going to be really difficult games against pretty good teams. Two yep. against Florida Atlantic, one on the road against SMU in that North Texas yep. game. So I don't know, man. And so, you got to go almost perfect, I think, to have a chance at an at-large bid. That's what I That's what I was going to get at. Like, yeah. as far as their metrics and their bracketology and where they stand right now, like, what, what is the way, what's the way forward? Is it, is it, is it perfect the rest of the regular season? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think, I think it's at least nine and one, right? Like that. Yeah. If, if not completely running the table, you got to go nine and one and, um, you can't have that loss be, for example, to Temple. I was talking to somebody about this right. uh, earlier today. Like, you know, if you mess around and lose to Temple next Thursday, that's the that's it. Might as well have the funeral for your unless your unless, teams, unless you like, unless you plan on winning the AAC I was tournament say, again. Exactly. But exactly. then I, I don't know how you have a whole bunch of confidence in going and beating uh, anybody or, or running through the AAC tournament with the way you've been playing. Yeah, especially if you're not um, kind of in that top half of the league by the time that comes around, then you're looking at playing four. Four games in four days. That's, right, that's hard for anybody. You yeah. Know? So yeah. So it's this not looking good, man. This team's way forward. Like I, I, I saw the Bart Torvik. Uh, what is it? The T Rankatology, where he does the uh, yep. his bracketology, if you will, and says, you know, the percentage chance based on his metrics that a, that a team gets through and gets into the NCAA tournament. It's gone from 
you know, nearly 90% two weeks ago to 25% at the beginning of this week to 7.4%. I saw John Martin tweet that 7% is insane, man. What? 7%? I, but it's hard, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me right. to doubt that. No. I mean, exactly. I, I, th- th- you just take so many bad losses. And, and, and speaking of John Martin, he talks about not stepping on Legos. Like, this Ooh. is, you got to avoid stepping on, they've stepped on every Lego in their way, it feels like. The la- I mean, the last, the last four two weeks. Yeah, yeah, the last no, two no weeks, doubt. it's just, no they've stepped on every possible Lego they could. And there's more Legos to come. Temple, yep. once again, prime example of, of one that's coming right up. East Carolina um, at the end of February. And, you know, put those teams aside. Wichita State's not going to be a great loss. You mess around and lose that one at home. Yeah. So there's opportunities. There's, you know, landmines coming and, um, not only that, but there's good teams coming, and I don't see, you know, either one of those opportunities being good for the Tigers with where they are now. So I saw this: um, Memphis losing to Rice. They added a quad four loss to their two quad three losses, and maybe one will turn to a quad two with UAB. Maybe yeah, improving. they're right on that. Cusp. It's possible, uh-huh. but they have two quad three losses and a quad four loss. Only seven teams in the net era have received an at large bid with three plus quad three or quad four L's, and of the seven teams. Six of them are in the power conferences. Only one, VCU in 2019, yep. is, is a quote-unquote mid-major, where, where Memphis is right now in the American Athletic Conference. That does not bode well for where we're headed. No, it, it doesn't. And, you know, you look at the, the Ken Palm rating. I was looking at this the other day. Uh, you know, how many teams that are past 60-65 have gotten that large bid? I think last year it was, um, I want to say, i got to go back and look, it was Temple who was the lowest Ken Palm rated team to get in that large bid and and Temple was like or not not Temple I'm I'm blanking on who it was but uh-huh. um whatever team that was it was in the 60s well Memphis is down to I believe 70 they're down to 70 in Ken Palm <laughs> so you know um it's it's looking his history suggests that Memphis will not make the NCAA tournament at this point <laughs> two weeks don't ago, drastically change two weeks ago this was an absolute this was a nutso conversation. It's like there's no way they can really fall from grace this hard, and they have. They Man, found a way. A month ago, we were saying that they had officially graduated from the eight nine. We said there was no right. way they'd get to the eight nine. Right, right. Now, how much of this? Because this is this has come back up today. Penny Hardaway before the year, we know what he said about the, the schedule. He says the guys know that the the non con is our schedule, is our yep. year, is yep. our season. How much do you think that? Uh, how much do you think that sort of creeped into these guys' heads, or maybe Penny's head, where they just sort of took it for granted that they'd be able to run through the AAC because the competition in non-con would get them ready for it, and they would, um, you know, if you can win those games, theoretically going into the season, you can win those games, you can win in the AAC, you'll be right. okay. Right. How much do you think that sort of plays a factor in this whole thing? Yeah, it's weird because at first I'd say you know that did play a factor when they you know. And, I, and here's the thing: I don't think he was wrong when he said it. No, he wasn't. Like we all, most of us agreed with it, right? <laughs> right. Like here in this market, and you know, in the sports media circle here in Memphis. But you know, I think at first you could say that had an impact where they went to Tulsa and and you know needed a buzzer beater from Javon Quinterly. They needed a buzzer beater again against SMU. So that was what the first two three games. But now you know you've just played your your eighth game in conference play. I don't think whatever perception you had of the conference should matter now. Like, you've got right. plenty of, of red you've flags, warning signs, scares, close calls, whatever you want to call it. Like, that should be out of your system, whatever Penny said or whatever the players thought of this league. So it's hard to, like Penny said, it's hard to pinpoint what's going on at this point. 
Yeah. Now, what what do you think going forward? I don't think he'll run out that starting five from last night. Let me say that. What do you think going Ooh. forward the starting five looks like? Probably what he started the second half with. Yeah, I think. <laughs> or is it still up up for grabs? Whoever the dogs are are going to get the next start, too. I, I, I don't know at this point. No, I don't know either because it seems like Penny's just, like we said, mashing buttons on the controller trying to figure out any combination of things that will work. Um, but, you know, he, he has – Hasn't been great, but he's had the most success when he's played, obviously, his best five players. So I think he goes back to that Saturday, just knowing that you know every game is a must-win now the rest of the way. Javon Quinterly and David Jones, I mean, as we've gotten into conference, I think I think it's fair to say, like, when we when we talk about sort of the, the guys on the floor that have been the biggest disappointments for Tiger fans to watch, I think it's those guys. It, it feels like a lot of hero ball, not a lot of sharing. Um, and, and, you know, in, in the end of the day, that has been a big reason they've been struggling is they turn the ball over more than they assist. And I think it, it falls sure. on those two guys to turn that type of number around, right? They're, they're, they're the ones with the ball in their hand the most. They're, they have the highest usage rates on this team. By far. They've got to go make that happen and turn that around. No, no doubt. And Javon Quinterly, I guess to his credit, he had six assists and three turnovers last night, so he was on the positive yes. end of that ratio. But, you know, prior to that, the two games before, um, I guess it'd be the the loss to Tulane, lost to UAB. He had eleven assists, to eleven turnovers. Like he was you right. know, one for one in that ratio. So he hasn't been great. Um, obviously, we talked about David Jones having nine turnovers, almost a triple double um, against <laughs> yeah, UAB did, with, yes. with nine rebounds, nine turnovers, and whatever it was, twenty twenty four points. Um, so he hasn't been phenomenal. Um, and you kind of you look at that, and then you add in the defensive lapses, and you got to think like you know these guys are getting buckets, but how many points are they giving up on the other end, right? And how much is that costing Memphis? So, yeah, something to think about for sure. No question about it. Now, last thing for Parth Upadhyay, he is the um, Memphis basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian on X at P Upadhyay. When it comes to David Jones, I, I, I just want to get your thoughts here. Why is it that I think in the, you know before the season started, you know the Dominican national team experience, everything around that, before the season started, when we saw him in some of these preseason sort of you know exhibitions. He was sharing the ball a whole lot. Like, you know, you see, he and, and you heard Penny talking about his playmaking and what he can do off the bounce. And, oh, you need to watch for this guy during the regular season. Yep. He's a triple double threat. Why is that completely off the. I mean, that is, I don't see a semblance of that in his game right now. Yeah, I think the only way to explain it is the, is the chemistry issues or what Penny describes as chemistry issues kind of bleeding into on the court, right? Like, guys just not trusting one another. Um, not being on the same page, and, and when that happens, I think we've seen it. Like when things have gotten dicey, things have gotten rocky. Um, a lot of guys, David Jones being the number one on this list, deciding it's better off or they're better off, you know, taking over individually than than kind of facilitating. And man, like David Jones, his assist numbers have just been non-existent over the past five games. If you look at it, yeah, and I'm still advocating for uh, at least late in games, um, at the very least, late in games. I think there needs to be some offensive sets that they actually get into because it just feels there's like there's nothing, that. man. There's, there's no... nothing. I mean, there was there was man, a pickup ball. <laughs> there right was now. there was one situation yesterday where Naquan Tomlin got a rebound, brought the ball up, mm-hmm. passed it to Malcolm. Malcolm swings it over to David Jones, goes sets him a screen. David Jones dumps it into Daquan Tomlin turnover. It's just like what was that? What was yeah. that? The whole defense no. was back. It's like what 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 was the plan there? Because clearly, like if you watch that play back too, David Jones didn't even want to take the pass. He was tired. He was he's huffing and puffing a little bit. He wasn't quite ready to set up anything offensively. They don't seem to have a plan on that end. And I think there's a plan on the defensive end. It's just not working. 
Yeah, definitely. There's a play on the defensive end. It's it's you know it's it's trapping and trying to turn teams over, but they don't they don't have the personnel for that. Man. Right, like they got to go to a zone or something. That's and also of, I saw someone bring this up. If you can out talent these teams in the AAC, why do you need to put so much pressure on them all the time? You know where, where you're having where you're having to substitute as much as you are. Well, I think, and this is something I thought about last night. Like they are best offensively, obviously, when they're running and gunning, and you can't run and gun unless you're turning teams over consistently. Right. right? Like, their half-court offense, as we just described, looks atrocious. Yes. So I think they have to rely, or Penny's teams in the past at least, have relied on, you know, defensive intensity, pressure, trapping, um, getting teams to get out of sorts, and we just haven't seen this team do it, you know, whether it's because they're not on the same page or they don't have the personnel to do it. Uh, Whatever reason it may be, it's just not happening. Well, they've put themselves in a... Pretty horrible spot. Well, we'll see where they go from here. But, Parth, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate you. Yes, sir. He is Parth Upadhyay, Memphis basketball beat reporter for the Daily Memphian. And on that note, it's time to send you out to Grizzlies versus Cavs. Jessica Benson will take you for a pregame tip. We'll be at 7. Thanks for listening.